Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Have you ever used the expression, I don't have time? Or perhaps you have said, I wish I had time. Well, here is something I want to impress upon our minds this morning. We always have time for the things we put first. Those things that you and I consider to be important. Those things that have priority. Those are the things you and I always seem to have time for. My wife used that expression so much, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. Until finally, 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 I had heard it enough. Now, please understand this in the context. That we sat down and I looked her square in the eye. And I said, my darling, my sweetheart, my love, I'm tired of hearing that statement. If you do not have time for the things that you say are important, then that surely implies that trivial matters are eating up your time. And it is time for you to reevaluate what you're doing in the course of a day. I thought for sure she'd slap me. (laughs) But she looked at me and she said, she never calls me by my name. And when she does, I know I'm in trouble. But Randy, you're right. You see, the reality is we always have time for the things we put first, don't we? Let's pray. Holy Father, how grateful we are for the glorious privilege of being in this place. Thank you. For all those who have made it possible in a bygone day for Dublin First Baptist Church to be what it is today. And today, our Father, we gather with anticipation in our hearts that you will again speak and that you will enable us 
as children of the living God to experience a fresh encounter that we might this day leave here differently than when we came and that our Father, you by the Spirit of God will receive glory and that Jesus will be preeminent. Thank you for all that has transpired. And Father, in these moments, I ask that God the Holy Spirit would grant His fullness, His illumination, and His enlightenment to my mind, to my heart, that I might be able to clearly and concisely share Your Word. Do that, Father, that will bring hearts, minds, and wheels to a point of yielding to the Lordship of Jesus. And now, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, the unusual part of Luke 15, beginning, please, with verse 25. Now his older, elder son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother is come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said, to his father, Lo, these many years I have served you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this your son, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The Lord Jesus in Luke 15 is addressing a group of self-righteous religionists. These are individuals who believe that somehow it is their goodness that is going to gain them acceptance with the Lord. They're like individuals who are playing a game. They have the uniform on, but they never really get in the game. For them it is all about goodness. 
and making an impression. They're trying to do good in order to gain the favor of God. They're trying to climb a ladder to reach God's favor. A recent promotion had made it possible for them to move into a larger house in a better area. Now, they were not anti-church. They allowed their young daughter to attend church. And when they were asked about attending, they simply said that their schedule would not permit it at this time. Now, the reality was that the years ago, it was popular for up-and-coming couples to have what was called those mixers on Saturday night. It was their way of rubbing elbows with individuals that they thought would enable them to continue to climb the ladder of success. And they did this for months. On one of those Saturday nights, the noise got a little loud, and it woke up their daughter. She come to the top of the stairs, heard the noise, saw the people, came down about midway, and she saw that they were eating, that they had food and drink. And she said, oh, is it time to eat? May I ask the blessing? And before anyone could say anything, childlike, she said, God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. And said, amen, good night, went back up the stairs, went to bed. The couples that were there, dumbfounded, looked at one another, small talk, and then things grew quiet, and... In a few minutes, all the couples left. Now, as this up-and-coming couple were cleaning away the food and the drink, they met in the kitchen, and their eyes met. They looked at one another, and the husband said to his wife, Sugar, what are we doing? Just look what we've been putting first. Now, the purpose of this message this morning is to challenge you and me to evaluate, to honestly evaluate what are we putting first. Now, in the text that I read this morning, there are two thoughts. In the text, I want you to notice that this, what we normally call this elder brother, he had time For the field, but not the father. In verse 25 and 28. Now this is a picture that sadly hangs on far too many hearts. We live in a day where we are governed by the clock. Our 
Our schedule determines our spirituality. And because that is basically true, we have time for the earthly but not the eternal. We have time for responsibilities but not relationships. We have time for money but not the master. We have time to play but not time to pray. Two things I want you to notice about him having time for the field but not the father. How does that happen? Verse 25, he was busy. Verse 25 says, now the elder son was in the field. I have an idea that, <clears throat> that because he is the elder, <coughs> that he is probably the CEO. He's probably managing the family business at this time. And he's probably one of those hands-on type persons because he is actually out in the field. He's seeing how things are going. Now do not think for a moment that I am suggesting that he should neglect his field responsibility. I am not suggesting that at all. But it does challenge you and me to answer this question. What should have priority, family or finance? Many men have come to realize that they don't know their children because they were trying to, quote, make a living while their children grew up. So, the great reformer Martin Luther said this. I have so much work to do today that I must spend the first four hours with God before the work begins. So what I'm saying to us this morning is this, that if we spend the appropriate amount of time with the Father, there will always be sufficient time for field responsibility. Is it possible that some of us have been saying, I don't have time for trivial matters like prayer and Bible study and regularly gathering with the family of faith. Now listen, folks. When I pastored, and when I came to Fayetteville, as pastor of Trinity Baptist Church, we had people in 12 nursing homes. Now, 12. Now, there were some of those that were house nursing homes. I mean, where three or four people were. But 12 nursing homes. I would tell my secretary, Aunt Ruth, you will not find me today. I am going to nursing homes. And I would go to all of them the same day. Now why? Because it would break my heart. Tear my heart out. And one of the things that I would hear from all of those individuals 
who were at a point where they could communicate and where we could have conversation was this. Pastor, I would give anything if I could just go to church one more time. So now you hear me good this morning. You can say right now, I don't have time, but I'm here to tell you this morning, you can easily have more time than you know what to do with. You can very easily have more time than you know what to do with, so be careful when you say, I don't have time. He had time for the field, but not the father, because he was busy. You're not too busy to make a phone call. You're not too busy to develop a relationship outside your circle. You're not too busy to invite a friend to the house of God. You're not too busy to smile and be friendly. You're not too busy. Say amen, lights. You're not too busy. He had time for the field, but not the father because he was busy. He had time for the field, but not the father, secondly, because he was bitter. Look at verse 28. It says he was angry. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Not all anger is wrong. There are things that you and I ought to be righteously indignant about. There are. I'm not spiritual enough to be righteously indignant. I just get mad. We ought to be angry about the right things. His anger is probably flowing from a fountain of jealousy because you see He is probably angry over the fact that his younger brother was allowed to leave and that thrust everything on him. Well, why am I calling it bitter? Because anger left unchecked and undealt with leads to bitterness. And the fruit of bitterness is poison to the carrier. Bitterness only impacts the one who's bitter. It was Sunday morning. The wife went in to wake her husband. And she pulled on the sheets and said, uh, It's time to get up. Get ready for church. He pulled the sheep back and said, I'm not going today. She said, now you know you are. Get up. Eat your breakfast. Take your shower. Get dressed. It's time to get ready for church. I'm not going today. She pulled the sheep. He grabbed it with both hands. I told you, I'm not going to church today. Nobody over there likes me. Leave me alone. I'm not going today. She pulled the sheet again. 
said, now, Bill, you know that's not so. Now, you get up, eat your breakfast, take your shower, get dressed. It's time to go to church. Now, Emmalou, leave me alone. I am not going to church today. This went back and forth. Finally, she got the sheet with both hands. And she pulled it. Bill, get up. I told you, nobody over there likes me. They're not friendly. Nobody speaks to me. I'm not going. Yes, you are. Give me one good reason. You have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> oh, Bill's about to let bitterness get a hold of him, wasn't it? But you see, folks, you and I can have time for the field and not the Father. And we can be busy. And that busyness can lead us into bitterness. And if we get bitter, it turns us against any and everything in the way. He was angry. The word means livid. Boiling. The second thing, and I'm going to give it to you in five minutes He had time for feelings, but not fellowship. He had time for feelings, but not fellowship. Now, everybody loves to have feelings. Feelings are wonderful. And everybody loves that warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, where everything just goes along. And then you hear somebody say, well, I just don't feel. Listen, here's a newsflash. This world was not designed around you and your feelings. Really wasn't. Time for feelings and not fellowship. His feelings caused him to reject the invitation. Now look at this in verse 21 through 24 and 28. He rejected the invitation. The father asked him to come in. He says no. He's invited in. He rejects the invitation. And if you read verses 21 through 24, you see what his feelings led him to experience or fail to experience. He failed to miss, he missed his brother's repentance. If he had been there, he would have probably heard his brother say, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. Now, nobody has to hear those words. But the reality is that if you and I are present and we hear those words, it brings a sense of of reality to that. His feelings caused him to resent the invitation that led him to mishearing his brother's repentance. And then his feelings also led him to miss 
in verse 24. A blessed reunion for when he fought, when he, he comes home, his father embraces him. Now, don't make don't make too less of this because it's not like you and me. Do y'all have homecoming here? Now, I don't. I, since I haven't been to one, I'm going to tell you what most homecomings are like. Most homecomings are like you and your family, and maybe your extended family, sitting together. You don't fellowship with anybody else, you know. If anybody comes back, it was gone, you know. It's just, what is it? It's you and your family sitting together eating a meal. That's what it is. Like a lot of family reunions, you know, we really don't get to know folks. Now, on that one, hold your anger. I mean, that's not what this was. This was a blessed reunion. If he'd been there, he may have thought, how blessed I am to have a dad who loves like that. But he missed it. And then thirdly, he missed a bountiful reception. There'd never been anything like it. But he missed it. I wonder sometimes what I've missed because of my stubbornness. He wouldn't go in. Secondly, his feelings caused him to miss. Or his feelings caused him to resent the intrusion in verses 29 and 30. If you read those verses, you'll hear him use words like your son. He never refers to him as his brother. Your son. Wasted, our New King James says, he devoured your living. And you never gave me a kid. It's almost as if he's saying, he devoured your living. But who, whose inheritance did he devour? His. And when he, and when he comes back, the father says, all that I have is yours. So the elder is thinking that he's coming back and he's wanting more of the inheritance. This wasn't a homecoming as far as he was concerned. It was an intrusion and he resents it. And by the way, now this is parable, but by the way, how did the older brother know that he had wasted his inheritance with harlots and in riotous living. Well, he had, but how did he know? You see, I think we learn a lot here. His self-righteousness. He said... I should have been given this party. This should have been mine. I never transgressed your commandments. I never left home. I deserve this. 
The father doesn't deny, but he says, your brother was dead. He's alive. He was lost. He was found. When the prodigal came home, they began to make merry. Verse 32. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. But the elder didn't see it that way. He had time for the field, but not the father. He had time for feelings, but not fellowship. What do you have time for? Jesus had time to come to this earth to ultimately suffer the cross, to shed his blood, to pay the penalty for our sin, to be buried, to be raised the third day, to make it possible for you and me not only to spend time on earth with him, but eternity. What do you have time for? Some folks say, well, I'm, I'm, I don't have time. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Where will you be trying to put your head when you meet God? What do you have time for? Let's stand, please, and bow our heads.